All right, yeah, Daniel, just go ahead and put a cool disco beat in. I'll sound. I'll just talk really cool over it. So yeah, just go. Hello, listeners. Whoa, you hear that? Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, that's the sound of disco. Because we love disco here at This Was A Thing, and if you love disco, you should head on over to Patreon and search This Was A Thing, because I talk about the wildly wonderful Ethel Merman disco album. Huh? Yeah, that's right. Ethel Merman disco album. But you can only hear it if you go over to Patreon.com and join the $5 a month section, the old Lucy, and you can become a cool patron and be a part of an exclusive club. Now, on with... The show. Bah, 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 bah. Mike loves suing now. Yeah, he's really suing now. Mike loves on a sue safari. Oh, he's on a sue safari. We're talking about the Beach Boys. They got hits. Oh, yeah. But Mike Love wants to be the main one. He won't fuck with the formula of hits. Oh, yeah. And sometimes likes litigation. Mike loves problems with his cousins, his cousins were also his bandmates. Mike loves problems with the Beach Boys this week on This Was A Thing. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we're talking about Beach Boys singer-songwriter Mike Love and some of the odd things that have happened throughout his long career. This was a thing because a band that started out as a fun surf band ended up producing some of pop music's most dynamic albums ever. Behind the scenes, there was one band member who didn't like leaving the surf music scene and is rumored to have said, don't fuck with the the formula. That man, Mike Love. There's a great article uh, from Rolling Stone uh, written in 2016 called The Ballad of Mike Love, and it was written by Eric Hedegaard. I believe that I'm saying his name correctly. It's just full of information about the man, uh, and I'm going to reference it quite a bit because it's a treasure trove of quotes. Plus, the author isn't afraid of calling out Mike Love's bullshit. Now, before I get deep into Mike Love, I have to give you a backstory and the origins of the Beach Boys, who play a big role in, obviously, the story of Mike Love. Michael Edward Love was born on March 15, 1941, to Glee and Edward Love in Baldwin Park, California. Glee was Murray Wilson's sister. Murray Wilson was the father of Brian, Carl, and Dennis Wilson, who are the main guys in the Beach Boys. Uh, they grew up uh, going to family gatherings at holidays and would all sing together. So Mike Love is cousins with the Wilson boys from the uh Beach Boys. Now, the Wilson Boys, with cousin Mike Love and Al Jardine, would end up forming the Beach Boys in 1961. The Wilson father, Murray Wilson, would serve as the group's business manager, co-producer, co-producer and publisher for the early part of their career, and he plays a big part in this as well, Murray Wilson. Murray Wilson. Now, Murray Wilson was a struggling songwriter. He had one minor success, the two-step sidestep. 
he would later go on to found a machining business to make money to support his family. He encouraged his sons to sing and learn to play instruments. And when the when the Beach Boys eventually became a success, no one was happier than Murray Wilson. So if it wasn't for Murray Wilson, there probably wouldn't be the Beach Boys because he was so encouraging of his sons to uh, get into music. So it's nice when folks are supportive like that. Exactly. Now Mike Love started out playing basic saxophone in the group and Dennis Wilson was the only surfer in the band funny enough and he suggested that the group write songs about surfing and the California lifestyle. Now their first song was Surfin'. It was written by Brian and Mike Love. I got up this morning turned on my radio I was checking out the surfing scene to see if I would go and when the DJ tells me that the surfing is fine that's when I know my baby and I So Murray didn't like that song. He recalled they had written a song called Surfin', which I never did like and still don't like. It was so rude and crude. <laughs> so that was considered rude and crude by the adults back then. Oof. Yeah. Either way, the song became popular and it reached number 75 on the National Billboard Hot 100 chart. Now, the Beach Boys released their first full album, Surfin' Safari, on October 1st, 1962. The title track was released and Billboard praised Mike Love's vocals and said the song had potential. It would rise to number 14 on the they signed a seven-year deal with Capitol Records, and in January 1963, the Beach Boys recorded Surfin' USA, which would become their first top ten hit and would be the song that cemented their popularity. Everyone wanted to live that California lifestyle. Now, around this time, Brian Wilson was getting tired of surf music, and he'd attended a few recording sessions by Phil Spector. Yes, he ended up uh, having a lot of crazy things happen later in life, but he was probably the most respected producer in music in the 60s and 70s. He changed the way people looked at recording music. Like, I didn't realize how respected he was until after the trial. That's really when you want to be appreciated as I you're know, going to jail. I know, I know, it's crazy. So Phil Spector had this thing called Wall of Sound, so he would bring in a bunch of musicians and like lay down big tracks oh, so it would I see. fill it would make it sound so much more full oh, sound I see. than just having okay here's your four band members he i mean he would bring in like an orchestra wow. he would bring in i mean he really at this time was helping people look at producing music in a such a different way and then you see in like the mid 60s when the beatles start changing and then you'll hear that the beach boys started changing Brian said that Phil Spector helped him become a better producer. He said of spending time in the sessions, that was when I started to design the experience to be a record rather than just a song. And this was a, a pivotal time in the group. The British invasion was happening and replacing the surf craze that the Beach Boys had kind of started and then led. And the Beach Boys' U.S. record label was Capital, who at the time essentially forgot about the Beach Boys even after all the success. So Beach Boys signed with Capital. Oh my God, this is awesome. And then the Beatles come in and their US distributor is Capital. So Capital's like, thanks for playing Beach Boys. The mop tops are it. So Brian wrote his last surf song in April, 1964. 
That month, during the recording of the single I Get Around, Murray was relieved of his duties as manager. He remained in close contact with the group and attempted to continue advising on their career decisions. I Get Around would end up being their first number one single. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around. At this point, Brian became a full-time studio artist, and he was tired of making the same old type of surf songs, and he wanted to show the public what he was really capable of uh, as a producer and songwriter. In the period following him leaving touring, he put more distance between him and his bandmates, and he began uh, expanding his social circle to include a mix of worldly-minded friends, musicians, mystic, and business advisors. So it was the 60s you were finding whatever you could and if you had the money to surround yourself with all these different types of people these people would come to you brian also started taking a major interest in developing the los angeles hip scene and he started really taking recreational drugs a lot musically brian said he began to take the things i learned from phil Spector and use more instruments when i could i doubled up on basses and tripled up on keyboards which made everything sound bigger and deeper like i was saying about the wall of yeah. sound so they would have their second number one hit with Help Me, Rhonda. In 1965, Bob Dylan was rewriting the rules of pop success, quote, uh, with the music and image. And in it was a this juncture that Wilson led the Beach Boys into a transitional phase in an effort to win the pop terrain that had been thrown up for grabs. That's a quote. Ooh. I know. Now, Brian Wilson, he wanted to do something completely different for their next album, Pet Sounds. He'd heard the Beatles' Rubber Soul and he wanted to make a record that felt like it was like a complete statement and not just song after song after song after song. He later would say, it didn't make me want to copy them, but to be as good as them. I didn't want to do the same kind of music, but on the same level. Pet Sounds was released on May 16, 1966. The album wasn't initially a success, and Capitol quickly released the band's first greatest hits album, which was quickly certified gold. Now, in hindsight, Pet Sounds is regarded now as one of the greatest albums to ever be released due to the production values and all the effort Brian Wilson put into it. And it even is said to have inspired the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. And uh, I think it was in 2003, Rolling Stone ranked Sgt. Pepper's the greatest album of all time and Pet Sounds as the second greatest of all album of all time. Where's my album? I think it was 501. Now, Pet Sounds features two of the Beach Boys' most popular songs, God Only Knows, I love God Only Knows. and Wouldn't It Be Nice. Going to the Rolling Stone article, uh, it says that Mike Love is rumored to have said about this album, Pet Sounds, Who's going to hear this shit? 
the ears of a dog? Oh. Mike Love denies this uh, now, saying, that's a bunch of bullshit. I never said anything like that. We all worked our asses off. Mike Love did, however, come up with the title for the album. The title was called, I Hope You Fucking Dogs Like It, (laughs) which they just changed to Good Vibrations. (laughs) (laughs) After Pet Sounds was released, Brian started to experiment in the studio even more, and that eventually led to uh, the creation of Good Vibrations. Very good. Nice segue. Thank you. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. Now, with over 90 hours of tape and production costs in the tens of thousands, it was released to a huge, wide acclaim. It reached number one on the charts, and it's now considered to be one of the greatest rock compositions ever created. Just so you're all aware, Ray has been furiously masturbating throughout this entire episode. He's so excited about the Beach Boys. Here's the thing. I am such a Beatles guy. I love the Beatles. Yeah, Beach Boys. But, like, really, like, just after doing this research and stuff, like, I should have paid attention to the Beach Boys more and appreciated them more, and I'm going to now. There's still time, Ray. I know. I know. Brian immediately started working on the next Next album, Smile, he brought in a beatnik folk singer-songwriter, Van Dyke Parks. How about that for a beatnik singer-songwriter, Van Dyke Parks? At this point, Brian Wilson's mental state was just declining and declining and declining, and it was causing tensions in the band. Van Dyke Parks ended up leaving to start his own music career, and Smile ended up going unreleased until 2004, Oh, when Brian Wilson then released it as a solo album. Van Dyke Parks would later go on to blame Mike Love for putting a stop to the album. Back to our man, Mike Love. During all this time when Brian was experimenting with musical techniques, Mike Love was not having it. In a 1971 Rolling Stone article, Beach Boys business associate David Anderl quoted Love saying, Don't fuck with the formula. This quote has been repeated many times throughout the years and decades. Though Love denied saying those specific words and argued that the Beach Boys have no formula, which, okay, the Rolling Stone article says this about Smile. And what about Smile? Brian said your criticism of its trippy experimental nature undermined its confidence and caused him to shelve it, Mike Love says. But he also said the opposite of that. Mike has had nothing to do with it, which is the truth, Love says. I never said anything bad about any of the tracks. I admit to wanting to make a commercially successful pop record, so I might have complained about some of the lyrics on Smile, calling them acid alliteration, which even the guy who wrote them, Van Dyke Parks, couldn't explain. But I wasn't resistant to, I mean... Crazy stupid sounds like animal farmyard sounds. Did all that shit laying in the bottom of an empty pool, singing up at a mic. I did all that stuff. Later on, he sighs and rounds up on another related thought. It was a crazy time. People fucked up out of their minds on stuff, he says. You do a lot of pod, LSD, cocaine, you name it. Paranoia runs rampant. So yes, Brian could have become extra ultra sensitive to attitudes you know body language or whatever my psyche is mainly except for the maybe moments of true frustration or anger or whatever saying things in ways that been misconstrued maybe i'm cast in a light which is unfortunate but maybe deserving but my contribution was positive lyrics why the fuck should i be the scapegoat and a fall guy for any of that other stuff can you read that quote one more time just for the irony my contribution was positive lyrics why the fuck should i be the scapegoat and the fall guy for that other stuff he says a while later smile 
That's a misnomer if I ever heard of one. That's about all Love will admit. He's reinventing his role in the band, says Al Jardine. He feels that he's not been properly expressed, so he's reinventing most of the things that are important to the songs he loves to perform. In 1967, Love became one of the many rock musicians discovering the teachings of the Maharishi Yogi following the Beatles' public endorsement of his Transcendental Meditation, or TM, technique. This is from the Rolling Stone article. The most important thing to know about Love is that he meditates twice a day without fail, morning and night, and he has done so for 49 years. He learned meditation from the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi himself in 1967, at which time he forswore pot, hash, and hard liquor, his only real vices, while Brian and Dennis in particular continued lighting up their brains with the more drugs and booze, the better. Then again, in 1968, Love said, One of the greatest things about transcendental meditation that interested me was that the Maharishi said, you don't have to give up your Rolls Royce and forsake all your pursuits of material pleasures to develop inner spiritual qualities. That sounded real good to me. And maybe all the lawsuits could be considered part of the pursuits too, and thus fully justifiable, at least on the inner spiritual level. Now, these lawsuits that are mentioned, oh, I'll get into those later. Here are Mike Love's current material treasures that were talked about in the Rolling Stone article and Because the Maharishi said Rolls Royces are okay to have, Mike Love said, why not just go big? He has a massive Lake Tahoe home, 10 10 bedrooms in all, 12 bathrooms, two elevators, not to be believed, and uh, he has a large walk-in closet stuffed to overflowing with garish multicolored shirts and a gazillion baseball caps, many of them emblazoned with the name of his band, the Beach Boys. Now, in the 70s and 80s, things, you know, kind of go a little different. The band continued to make music and tour. Brian sank deeper and deeper into seclusion and developed a terrible dependence on drugs and alcohol and food. He was a recluse and still wouldn't tour, but he kept producing the albums. There were internal band struggles, and they came to a head after a show in Central Park on September 1st, 1977. Uh The band effectively split up into two camps, Dennis and Carl Wilson on one side, Mike Love and Al Jardine on the other, with Brian remaining neutral. So I'm sure that had to have been good for Brian's mental health. The band broke up for two and a half weeks until a meeting on September 17th at Brian's house. In light of the potential new record contract, They both negotiated with each other, and a settlement was there, resulting in Love gaining control of Brian's vote in the group, allowing Love and Jardine to outvote Carl and Dennis Wilson on any matter. So somehow Mike Love worked it out so he could get cousin Brian instead of Brian's own brothers. In late 1982, Brian overdosed on a combination of alcohol, cocaine, and other psychoactive drugs, and a radical program uh, to get Brian back into health was done by Dr. Eugene Landy, and he is a major part in the story from here on out. Uh, Landy had Brian removed from the group at the behest of the rest of the uh, rest of the Beach Boys. The therapy was uh, eventually somewhat successful because it got Brian back to physical health. Uh, Brian went from 311 pounds to 185 pounds in this time. With the rest of the band fearing that Dennis would end up like Brian, he was given an ultimatum uh, after his last performance in November 1983 to check into rehab for his alcohol problems or he was banned from performing live with them. Uh, he checked into rehab... Uh, 
first chance to get sober, but unfortunately, sadly, on December 28th, 1983, he drowned at the age of 39. Between 83 and 86, Eugene Landy charged Brian $430,000 annually. When he requested more money, Carl's was obligated to give away a quarter of Brian's publishing royalties. The doctor is saying, give me the money to your, your records? Yes. The doctor is saying, oh, well, you can't pay up. So um, how about a quarter of Brian's publishing royalties? Eugene Landy is not a very good person in this story. In the mid-80s, Landy stated, I influence all of Brian's thinking. I'm practically a member of the band. We're partners in life. Wait, did the doctor say this in an interview? I influence all of Brian's? Yes. Were they in a relationship? No, but but Landy lived with him. He did everything. Landy made decisions for Brian, and Landy kind of took it upon himself, and he looked at it like, I'm the good doctor helping people out, but also he knew that he was taking as much money as he could and taking advantage of a man with major mental health issues. I have some questions about Dr. Landy. Yeah. Mike Love denied uh, Landy's accusation and that he and the band uh, were keeping Brian from participating in the group. He later wrote that Landy's goal was to destroy us and become the sole custody of Brian's career and legacy. So Mike Love started having some issues with Landy. Hey friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay. Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry. Okay, head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money, and in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Now let's get to 1988, ladies and gentlemen. The Beach Boys had their first number one hit in a long time with Kokomo. It was their first number one hit that didn't have Brian's involvement. Love and the other songwriters, none of them the actual Beach Boys, uh, were nominated for a Grammy Award as well as a Golden Globe nomination for Best Original Song. You see, Kokomo appeared in the Tom Cruise film Cocktail. That's right. You want to see Tom Cruise flipping some bottles behind a bar, ladies and gentlemen, and hear some Beach Boys? Turn on Cocktail. It lost both awards, unfortunately. The Grammy went to Phil Collins' Two Hearts from the film Buster and Carly Simon's Let the River Run from the film Working Girl. 
Mike Love stated that Wilson was not on Kokomo because Eugene Landy, Wilson's therapist turned collaborator, refused to let Brian sing on it unless Landy was a producer and co-writer. And Terry Melcher didn't feel that he needed Landy since he had produced some number one records. It was pathetic of Landy to do that, but he controlled Brian completely at this time. I don't like this doctor. So yeah, Eugene Landy was not a very good influence on Mr. Brian Wilson, unfortunately. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here is my favorite part of this whole episode. It is the Beach Boys induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is now legendary. This summary is from Ultimate Classic Rock, and it's perfect. I just have to read it. Love's cousin, bandmate, and universally recognized Beach Boys genius Brian Wilson spoke first at the ceremony held January 20th, 1988 in New York City. Wilson had only recently begun to get his life back in order following years of substance abuse and untreated mental illness. Sounding a bit unsteady and reading from a prepared speech, Wilson spoke the respect he had for everyone in the room. Last year, when I was asked to induct Lieber and Stoller into the Hall of Fame, I came into the room and sat down at my table and looked around. There were so many people here that I really respect. Meanwhile, Love awkwardly paced around him from side to side, reading over his shoulder and interrupting. He grabbed and readjusted the microphone several times to make mindless quips, leaving Wilson increasingly frazzled. I also, I also... You're telling most of these executives in the music business. He's a giant, he's a giant. When it came Love's turn to speak, he began quietly, almost bashfully, remembering when he and Wilson first started writing songs. He spoke of the Beach Boys' love for harmony and in music and life. And the reason why people like the Beach Boys is because we love harmony. We love music and we love harmony. And we love all people, too. But within a minute of that serene introduction, his speech t- took a turn when he started hurling a series of bombs at fellow musicians, including a lament for Paul McCartney's absence at the Beatles induction that evening due to an ongoing lawsuit against Ringo Starr and Yoko Ono. And from there, he just steamrolled. The Beach Boys have continued to do about, we did about 180 performances last year. I'd like to see the mop tops match that. I'd like to see Mick Jagger get out on his stage and do I Get Around versus Jumpin' Jack Flash any day now. Paul Schaefer, who was leading the house band that night, tried to play Love Off Stage at one point, but that didn't work. And I'd like to see some people kick out the jams, and I challenge the boss to get up on stage and jam. I want to see Billy Joel, see if he can still tickle ivories. Let me see. Now, a lot of people are going to go out of this room tonight thinking that Mike Love is crazy. Well, they've been saying that for years. The rest of the Beach Boys were steamed. Carl Wilson came up to me afterwards. He He handed me his award and said, Our career is over, Schaefer recalled. Right after Elton John, who introduced the group into the hall comes onto the mic and says, thank fuck he didn't mention me. Later that evening, Bob Dylan famously responded to Love in his own introduction speech saying, I want to thank Mike Love for not mentioning me. I play a lot of dates every year too. Peace, love, and harmony is greatly important indeed, but so is forgiveness. And we gotta have that too. Thanks, Bob. In the Rolling Stone article, he was asked if he had any regrets from that night. Mike Love said, yeah, I regret that I didn't meditate. He says... I meditate in order to cope with things. I would send Mike Love to my doctor, Dr. Landy. (laughs) 
All right, here's lawsuit number one. Oh, God. In 1991, Brian Wilson released his first memoir called Wouldn't It Be Nice, My Own Story. It was co-authored by celebrity journalist Todd Gold and published by HarperCollins. It immediately was criticized, saying that the that whole passages were stolen from other biographies, changing only the point of view to make it seem as if it came from Brian himself. Brian was still being treated by Dr. Landy at the time, though Landy said he had nothing to do with the writing of the book. The book rubbed many members of the Beach Boys the wrong way. Mike Love did not read the book, but filed a defamation suit against HarperCollins regarding how he was presented in the book. HarperCollins settled the suit for $1.5 million court documents would later prove that Landy was, in fact, heavily involved in the production process of the book. Surprise, surprise. Yep. Brian Wilson later stated under oath that he was interviewed for the book for about 30 to 40 hours, and he only skimmed through the first draft of the book before it was published. Rolling Stone article on the lawsuit. Love has never read the book, which thus allows him to say things like, at the risk of being facetious, it's my favorite book I never read, because what books have you ever read that paid you a million dollars? He means this to be amusing, but it doesn't exactly come off that way. Crass is more like it. He does acknowledge us saying, I guess a lot of people don't understand I have a sense of humor that's kind of whack or different. Or sometimes bratty. So I get labeled with that and there goes my image right down the toilet. But it doesn't slow him down any and probably never will. To the school of himself, he is totally true. Lawsuit number two. Mike Love alleged that he was owed credit to 79 Beach Boys songs. This one actually I'm on Mike Love's side for, believe it or not. Oh. Love explained that Murray Wilson never credited him for many of the songs he had co-written with Brian, and therefore he had lost out on royalties. Love hoped that we don't have to go to trial because it's going to destroy Brian. He's going to be destroyed in depositions, first of all, let alone getting him in court. So I don't like his approach to it, but I think he was right in his... <laughs> lawsuit. They were unable to come up with a settlement, and so Love filed a suit against Wilson in 1992. After an eight-week-long trial and eight days of deliberation, on December 12, 1994, Love won the case. The jury ruled that Love and Wilson were partners, that Wilson or his agents concealed material facts with the intention of defrauding Love, and that they engaged in promissory fraud with respect to publishing credits and royalties, and that Love was owed the 35 songs disputed. Mike Love said, I wrote every last syllable to the words to California Girls, and when the record came out, it said Brian Wilson. There was no Mike Love, he says. The only thing I didn't write was the I wish they all could be California Girls. Surfing USA, too. The big shaftola. Same thing, I, same thing with I Get Around. I came up with round, round, get around, I get around, and redid Brian's lyrics. And nowhere was my name mentioned on the record. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Murray, he says with a laugh. I mean, Brian wanted to settle, but he was in a conservatorship and wouldn't let him. I give him credit for that. But I was cheated and stolen from my uncle and my cousin, and I don't think it was ever going to be resolved. I mean, how are you going to resolve it? In early 1997, Carl Wilson was diagnosed with lung and brain cancer after years of heavy smoking. He died at the age of 51 on February 6, 1998. When Carl died, Love continued to tour with the Beach Boys along with keyboardist Bruce Johnston and supporting band of new musicians. He leased executive rights to tour under the Beach Boys' name in a boardroom settlement with Brothers Records, the Beach Boys Company. However, former bandmate Al Jardine had been touring under the banners Beach Boys Family and Friends, Al Jardine Beach Boy, and Al Jardine of the Beach Boys during this time, and Love decided... It was time to sue him in order to prevent him the use of the name. Okay, so I just so I'm clear. 
Who leased exclusive rights to tour under the Beach Boys name? Mike Love leased exclusive rights. So Mike Love has the right to say Beach Boys when he performs. Yes. Al Jardine didn't. No. So that's why he's suing Al Jardine. Exactly. And Al Al Jardine wasn't just going Beach Boys, but it was Beach Boys family and friends, Al Jardine Beach Boy, Al Jardine of the Beach Boys. Uh Uh-huh. But... Mike Love didn't like that. And Mike Love's like, I have that name. You can't use it. Exactly. Got it. So in this lawsuit, the courts ruled in Love's favor, denying Jardine the use of the Beach Boys name in any fashion. Jardine proceeded to appeal the decision in addition to seeking $4 million in damages. The California Court of Appeal proceeded to rule that Love acted wrongfully in freezing Jardine out of touring under the Beach Boys name, allowing Jardine to continue with this lawsuit. The case ended up being settled outside of court and the terms were not disclosed. It wouldn't be Mike Love without a fourth lawsuit. Now, this is the Rolling Stone article on that lawsuit. In 2005, Love sued Brian once again, this time for shamelessly misappropriating Mike Love's songs, likeness, and the Beach Boys trademark during the promotion of Brian's belatedly released Smile album, mainly because a tiny picture of Love with the Beach Boys found its way onto a promotional CD given out in a British newspaper. Now, Mike Love argued that the unauthorized, which was authorized by Brothers Records, the unauthorized free CD resulted in a loss of income for the band. Now, Brian Wilson's wife, Melinda, alleged that during the deposition, Love turned to Wilson and remarked, you better start writing a real big hit because you're going to have to write me a real big check. The lawsuit was dismissed on May 16, 2007 on the grounds that it was without merit. Okay, so in 2011, Love reunited with Brian Wilson, Al Jardine, and numerous longtime touring musicians for a new Beach Boys album and 50th anniversary tour beginning in 2012. The tour did 73 shows all over the world and turned out to be a huge success. They should have had the reunion at a courthouse. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Asked in May 2012 what the future holds beyond the tour, Mike Love stated, We're looking at our present and future. I think we're going to be doing this again with Brian for a long time. Wilson said he already started thinking about the next Beach Boys album, which he would make after the tour. This time I would like to do some rock and roll, Wilson said. I would like to be a bit harder and faster. In Love's 2016 memoir, he wrote that at the end of the reunion came partly as a result from interference from Brian's wife and manager, Melinda Ledbetter. Love added that during the performances, she attempted to install an auto-tune unit on each of the band members' microphones. This was the beginning of some backstage quarrels between Love and Ledbetter, which ended up with his stipulating that she be banned from rehearsals until the tour was over. She wanted to auto-tune them? Yeah, she wanted to put auto-tune. Get around, get around, round, round. On June 1st, 2012, Love received an email from Ledbetter stating, No more shows for Wilson. Love, who obligated by his license to the Beach Boys name to maintain revenue flow to Brothers Records, then began accepting invitations for when the reunion was over. Beach Boys keyboardist uh, Bruce Johnston told reporter Mark Dillon in mid-June that the current tour was a one-time event. You're not going to see this next year. I'm busy next year doing my thing with Mike. On June 25th, Ledbetter sent another email asking to disregard her last message. But by then, Love says it was too late. We had booked other concerts and promoters had begun selling tickets. The next day, Love announced additional touring dates that would not feature Wilson. Wilson then denied knowledge of these new dates. Okay, just so I'm clear. So Brian Wilson's wife said, 
Brian's not going to do any more concerts. On June 1st. And then Mike Love was like, okay, that's fine, but I'm still touring. I still have the name. We, yeah, we still have to make we still, we still have to make money. Yeah, exactly. And so he's like, I'm continuing on. He was getting booked other places. And then 24 days later, Brian Wilson's wife emailed again saying, actually, disregard that email from, from 24 days ago. He can be in it. Yeah, but I mean. And Mike Love is like, sorry, we've yeah, already uh, moved yeah, on. I mean, I have to say about Mike Love, he is a promoter. He knows how to, you know, he, he, he hustles. So as scheduled, the band played their last show together on September 28th, 2012. Love later wrote, I had wanted to send out a joint press release between Brian and me, formally announcing the end of the reunion tour on September 28th, but I couldn't get Brian's management team on board. Brian himself doesn't make those decisions. In late September, news outlets began reporting that Love had dismissed Wilson from the Beach Boys. On October 5th, Love responded in a self-written press release to the LA Times stating he did not fire Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys boys i cannot fire brian wilson from the beach boys i do not have such authority and even if i did i would never fire brian wilson from the beach boys he explained that nobody in the band wanted to do a 50th anniversary tour that lasted 10 years and that it's a limited run was long agreed upon on October 9th, Wilson and Jardine submitted a written response to the rumor stating, I was completely blindsided by his press release. We hadn't even discussed as a band what we were going to do with all the offers that we were coming in for more 50th shows. Love responded in an interview that Wilson's statement and the press release were falsified by his agent. Now, reflecting on the band's reunion in 2013, Love stated, I had a wonderful experience being in a studio together. Brian has lost none of his ability to structure those melodies and chord progressions. Touring was more for the fans. It was a great experience. It had a term to it. And now everybody's going on with the, their way of doing things. Biographer John Stebbin speculated that Love declined to continue working with the group because of lesser control he had over the touring process, coupled with the lower financial gain, noting, Night after night, after night, after night, Mike is making less money, getting reminded that Brian is more popular than him, and he has to answer to people instead of calling all the shots himself. Of the experience, Brian reflected, I'm disappointed and can't understand why he doesn't want to tour with Al, David, and me. We were out there having so much fun. After all, we are the real Beach Boys. Love's autobiography, Good Vibrations, My Life as a Beach Boy, was published on September 13, 2016. He wrote the book as a response to many inaccuracies that have been said about him over the decades, which is a great reason to write an autobiography, just a... Uh, tell everyone why they're wrong. It was published one month before the release of Brian's autobiography, I Am Brian Wilson, A Memoir. When asked about the book's negative comments towards him, Love responded, he's not in charge of his life like I am of mine. His every move is orchestrated and a lot of things he's purported to say, there's not a tape of it. As of November 16th, Love has not read Brian's second book. Neither has Brian. <laughs> Here we get into one of the interesting part about Mike Love, his politics. Now, Mike Love has described himself as a progressive, although a photographed handshake between him and Ronald Reagan in the late 80s led to many to start labeling him as a conservative. In 2018, Love praised Donald Trump for his love of music historically and was present at the signing of the Music Modernization Act in October. It was a bill aimed to modernize copyright-related issues for music and audio recordings due to the new forms of technology such as digital streaming. So it was actually one of those bills that was like, oh, okay, I'm... 
I'm okay with that. Now, in October 2020, this is the thing that kind of brought my attention to Mike Love. Love's Beach Boys agreed to play as the headliner at a high-dollar fundraiser for Trump's re-election campaign in Newport Beach. In a press release, Wilson and Jardine disavowed the use of the Beach Boys' name and music at the event, stating, We have absolutely nothing to do with the Trump benefit today in Newport Beach, zero. Trump didn't get reelected, so Mike Love didn't help him do that. But then Love Again played at Mar-a-Lago's New Year's Eve celebration that year alongside with other acts including Vanilla Ice himself. What? What a lineup. And then there's the baseball caps. He wears every place he goes, on stage or not. It's universally despised. Even wife Jackie isn't a fan. When we go out on date, I always ask, can you leave the hat at home? Everybody knows he's bald. He should embrace it. That's his wife. He wears the hat to cover up his baldness? Yeah. I'm done with him. He's wearing one today. He steps out of his closet and plucks it on his head. He bends forward. Yeah, well, he says, you really don't want to blind incoming traffic, okay? And back on it goes. Jackie said during the tour in 2012, however, seeing Brian and her husband together again was really something else. They're like two 16-year-old best friends, she says. Once Mike and I were giving Brian a ride during peak traffic in L.A., and they were like two boys out in mom and dad's car. Brian's like, Mike, so what are we going to do? And every few minutes he'd say, are we getting closer? Are we getting closer? And Mike would say, Brian, look at the traffic. I can't go anywhere. It's hysterical. It does seem like they did have like kind of they had love for each other, even with all the craziness. Mike Love says to close out the fable is that I'm such an asshole. But a lot of that stuff is skewed by the crazies, he says. I never said half the shit that's attributed to me. I mean, I must be pretty prolific in asshole-type things to say. Like, I get up in the morning thinking, I've got a job to do. How can I be a total jerk today? Later, he says, I become cannon fodder. He pauses and grins. It's open season, he says, making a pun for pun's sakes with little regard for how it might sound to those around him. And with that, my look at love, Mike Love, is complete. When we come back... We'll discuss what we love about Mike. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. Mike, you're getting the harmonies wrong. You're going, ah, when I told you to go, ah. Oh, shut up, Brian. I know what I'm doing. You know what you're doing for you, but you don't know what you're doing for me in the group. Dr. Landy said Oh, Eugene? That... Eugene Landy said something about me? I gotta know what Eugene said about me. Lay it on me, Cousin Brian. Come on, tell he, me. He said that you could really benefit from just relaxing. Take something to calm you down. I meditate for four and a half hours a day, Brian. I know how to relax. In fact, I actually wrote some lyrics today during my morning session. It's almost a mantra if you listen to it. Just hear me out. You ready, Brian? I suppose so. Oh, good. Okay. Five, six, seven, eight. Now, Dr. Landy's a dick. I really think Eugene's a schmuck And the only thing he's after is Trying to take all of Brian's bugs He acts like he's part of the band But I heard him he only sings off key And we get the most work done When he steps out of the room to pee I wish Dr. Lanny would go and fuck himself And then there'd be like a bill 
killed and you're just like, oh, I wish Dr. Landy would go away and fuck himself. And then we'd have the harmonies come in and then you'd, you get it. What'd you think, Brian? Is it good? It sounds too much like California girls. Thank you. This was a sketch. Well, Robert, after all I've told you about Mike Love, what is your opinion on the man? I don't know what the problem is. Is there supposed to be like a problem with him or something? I think the biggest issue that people have with him... He's outspoken? Is that he's outspoken and that what people consider now the Beach Boys quintessential major contribution pet sounds, he was very much against it. Did he ever come back and say, I realized I made a mistake? No. Okay. So he made a mistake. That's number one. He... he wrongly predicted what people would want to hear and that's obvious that what the beach boys created against him ended up being very successful i don't think there's any penalty in that uh would it be nice if he had come out and said wow i was wrong it seems that people really wanted to hear the music i didn't want to create yeah that would be nice but i don't see any other issues besides that when i was doing a lot of my research yes he was outspoken and stuff but some of the stuff like the lawsuit seemed like you know fairly like reasonable especially the one for to get the music rights and stuff and i think a lot of it is that a lot of beach boy fans are such big fans of brian wilson that mike love has become the scapegoat for let's blame him for a lot of brian wilson's problems but it sounds like that god bless him brian had mental health issues no exactly he did he unfortunately got under the thumb it seems of some Mm -hmm. very bizarre doctor no doctor should be that involved in a patient's life they were living together yeah he was living with them this is bizarre this is really bizarre he was making four hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year i mean at some point you know that's malpractice and it sounds like the wife his wife controls a lot of the stuff that goes on with brian wilson as well Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think i don't think that mike loves lawsuits are uh frivolous in any way whatsoever he's saying i wrote these songs i didn't receive credit for them did Brian Wilson acknowledge the fact? He's like, yeah, I know Mike did write these things. Brian Wilson's kind of big thing was like, I didn't really know what my dad was doing type of deal. You know, like uh, I was just kind of there. Because that's also Mike's uncle, right? Exactly. Yeah, and so, okay. yeah, I mean, a lot of it, Makes it goes back to where I think Mike got slighted a lot and he just became the outspoken member of the group. But with Brian Wilson's success and people's passion for him and that Brian Wilson was the driving force be- behind Pet Sounds... Uh, that's why I think a lot of people have made him the asshole. And it's one of those things, too, where since it is celebrated so much with the pet sounds and how it did stray away from surfing, the surfing aesthetic, that Mike Love has the quote of, don't fuck with the formula. But formulas are meant to be fucked with if you want to be successful and have like, you know, or not even successful, but it does help with a lot of musicians. A lot of times, Initially, a musician will release a new album and it sounds different and people are like, what the hell? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think one of the things that's really important to mention about the Beatles and the Beach Boys was they were consistently evolving. Mm -hmm. And what made them exciting to listeners was what they were evolving into was appreciated. And Mike Love didn't like that. Of course. And now we have seen some singers where they do try to evolve and it doesn't go right. And so they go back to doing what they had done before. Exactly. If the new music that the Beach Boys had put out was not received 
in an enthusiastic manner, then of course they would have gone back to what they had been doing previously. But I don't, would it be nice for Mike Love to say, boy, I was wrong? Sure. But I don't see that. I think he's an asshole, but I don't think that there's anything horrible. And that's the thing is I was led to read about him and research because of like the asshole quotes. And yes, I do think he's an asshole. But yeah, I just see this as like a lot of more more Beach Boys fanboys need a scapegoat to blame for problems like how Beatles people can blame Yoko Ono. Sure. Mike Love is kind of become Mike is the Yoko, the of Yoko this Ono of this group. And Mike Love did not cause Brian Wilson's mental health issues. He would no. have those. He may have not helped him, you know, he may have not provided him like with any support and stuff, but I think it's easy for people to not understand that and go, well, he helped cause it. He helped drive Brian into a bad place. Eugene Landy is the Yoko of this group. Exactly. And so Eugene Landy, he ended up losing his professional license in 1989 from the state of California because of accusations of ethical violations and patient misconduct. Wilson continued to see Landy until 1992, uh, but then there was a restraining order barred against him, and so he never saw Brian Wilson again. Yeah, not a fan. So um, overall, my impression of Mike Love is, one, I, I don't think the lawsuits are frivolous lawsuits. He's saying, pay me for the work that I did, and you can't use my image without my permission. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with him saying, I'm going to continue to tour, because if Brian doesn't want to, there's no reason why I shouldn't be touring i think the lawsuit against al jardine uh saying you know you have to stop using name that to me i I think is kind of ridiculous i i don't see anything al jardine isn't saying it's the beach boys he's always putting his name in there somewhere so i don't i don't see a problem with that and also i think that the that hall of fame induction speech well i was going to talk about that yeah i mean i think that the the hall of fame induction speech is just totally that's inappropriate yeah that's why are you calling out all these different people for and for what purpose it's almost like a big dick tactic you know just and so that's always that that was just insane to me and that will always be a clip i will show to people i feel like the beach boys are and always will be one of the most popular american bands ever their music will always be popular for generations to come and you know we're california natives and i feel like at least i can't help but just kind of enjoy the beach boys and i don't even like the beach so what's your favorite beach boy song I'd say, wouldn't it be nice? And especially after pulling all the music that I, I like listen to the whole thing. And like, that's the thing is they're such good fucking songs and you don't realize. And then like, I'm such a Beatles fanboy that like I recognized, oh man, the Beatles changed so much without even realizing the, the competition between the two of these bands over the Atlantic. You know, I don't know. It's just... It, what a time to be, like I said, a music fan if you were alive, appreciating that kind of stuff. Do you also think that Mike Love would be a great host for the Oscars some year? Oh, my God, yes. That's really what we need. But with a hat. Yeah. Oh, with, uh, but there's an Oscar statuette on top of the hat. Yeah. Done and done. You want to play a game? Hell yeah. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Oh, boy, ironically, that Mike Love didn't seem like he was filled with much love at all. No. He was a cruel man. He was a cruel, cruel man. What an anachronism. Cruel and cold. But you know what? We don't have to worry about Mike Love because there's plenty of love out there. And I'm going to prove it to you. Yes. We we need Mike Love. We've got love. We're going to find it here today in a little game called Love is All You Need. I will give you a clue as to a common phrase or idiom. Related to being in love. You're going to see who can guess it first. Oh, So this okay. is a speed between the two of you. I got 10 here. I'm going to give you a little cryptic clue. This is a popular 
phrase or idiom related to love. Endearment upon initial visage. Love at first sight. Yes. Okay, now I'm caught up. Yeah, you're dialed in now. Two. Scalp atop stilettos. Scalp atop stilettos? Scalp atop stilettos. Head and shoulder? No. Head over heels. Head over heels oh, is fun. correct. One and one. Up next, juvenile canine attachment. Puppy love. Ah. Yes, Rob, correct. Number four, contest fashioned in Nirvana. Eternal love? Lucky in love? No. No. Three, two, one. Match made in heaven. Contest fashioned in Nirvana. Imperceptive adoration. Unrequited love? No. Unforeseen love? Closing in. You're closing in. Forbidden love? Blind love? Love blind? Blind date? Love? Love is blind? Love is blind. Yes, love is blind. Okay, you got this, Ray. You got this. You got this. Murmur saccharine zilches. Whisper sweet nothings? Yes. Oh, wow. Transport a firebrand. Burning love? No. Chariots of love? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three, two, carry a torch. To carry a torch for oh. someone. To carry, to, they're getting harder. We got three more, they're getting harder. Confiscate my respiration. Take my breath away. Wow, yes. Take my breath Confiscate away. Confiscate my respiration. <laughs> more the bond. More the bond. M-O-O-R, more the bond. More is something you do with ships, stocking, when there's a rope involved, when they're pulling in oh, the port. Oh, 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 oh. Reel it in. <laughs> no, no. Not Tie the knot. Yes, oh. correct. Tie the knot. Now I'm helping Ray because he's losing. So it's two against one now, Rob. And the final one. Otherwise questionable actions are acceptable under extenuating circumstances. This is a popular phrase related to love. It's got uh, some antitheses in there. So there's love and... Hate? Not hate, but... War? Yes. Make love, not war. No. Oh. Otherwise questionable actions are acceptable under extenuating circumstances. All's fair. In love love and, and war. Love Damn it. war. Well, Rob is the sweetheart of this game with a big heart. Big pension for love. A lot of love to give. over there. I suggest if you want to write into Rob, he will write back. He answers all his fan mail personally. And once again, uh, ladies, my prison number is 47582. And mine is 2460. Did you hear that, boys? Hi, I'm Jean Valjean. Hi, I'm playing Jean Valjean. (laughs) And it's really cool because he lifts a car. Yeah, I get to flip a wagon. I didn't read the whole play, but the first scene is pretty cool. I get to lift a cart, and I've been at Planet Fitness every day. <laughs> and I get these gorgeous candlesticks. <laughs> uh, Valjean was swole. I think he was totally swole. Yeah. Do you even lift? Javert, look at yourself. And then join us next month when I'm playing Joe in that football musical, Damn Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And a big thanks to Mike Love. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for uh, your wonderful education and passion about Mike Love. And once again, folks, when we first started the idea of this show, the first thing Ray pitched was Mike Love. So I'm happy that you felt fulfilled. Thank you. And thank if you, you want to meet us at the beach, come on down. We'll see you there. We'll see you there. All right, friends. Till next time. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. 
If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was a Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was a Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors, and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was a Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 